Joy Behar may have been aroused by January 6th. AI chatbots are threatening users and Project Veritas dug its own grave. It's Thursday, February 23rd, and these are my losers of the week. exactly two years, one month, and 17 days, the leftists and the never-Trumpers have been clutching their pearls over January 6th. It was the one day in the last 10 years the collective left has given a crap about law and order and the men and women who enforce it. The faux outrage is palatable, and no hag brings it to the table more annoyingly than Joyless Behar. Her phony baloney indignation was reignited this week after Speaker Kevin McCarthy gave Fox News' Tucker Carlson exclusive access to 41,000 hours of footage from the January 6th Capitol riot. Now, Joy wanted to sound disgusted by it, but she had a little Freudian slip of the tongue and revealed January 6th might have pleased her more than she lets on. Take a listen. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy hands him more than 40,000 hours of Capitol security footage from the January 6th election. Insurrection. <laughs> January 6th was not an erection, and it was not an insurrection either, Joy. But we all anxiously await the real story of what really happened that day, and apparently Joy is pretty excited about it herself. Moving on to Loser 2 this week, the artificial intelligence chatbots no one asked for brought to us by Microsoft's Bing. Not only is the premise of these AI chatbots concerning, it turns out these bots are also rude, evil, and threatening. These bots are quite the emboldened little stinkers. So far, they've threatened to steal nuclear codes, unleash a virus, told a reporter to leave his wife, and are now standing up to threats of being shut down. And here's another example. When a user asked if chatbots are smarter than humans, the bot responded with a, a resounding and also quite evil yes. Folks, I don't know if AI chatbots are smarter than all humans, but I'd be willing to bet they are smarter than anyone who would vote for this man a second time. But speaking of dumb, my last loser of the week is what I'm sure will be a dead organization walking Project Veritas. There was a major shakeup followed by a whole lot of drama over at PV headquarters this week with the ousting of the organization's founder, CEO, and most visible warrior, James O'Keefe. In this nearly 45-minute-long video, James, de James details how he was pushed out of the organization based on what he dubs false claims and pretenses and exposed how board members plotted against him, salivated over raises if he were to be pushed out, and threw him totally under the bus. A board member reached out to one of our journalists and stated, quote, you get a raise if there is a restructure without James O'Keefe at Project Veritas. I was informed by a different officer of Project Veritas that he would go to the board in a few hours from that moment and have an emergency vote to restructure this company, receiving an agenda in my email while I was sitting on an airplane tarmac with the doors closing. The, the meeting was scheduled for the moment that my plane landed in Nashville. Listen, I don't pretend to know all the drama behind the scenes, but I've known James since he started Project Veritas, and I can say wholeheartedly and unequivocally, he is the backbone of that organization, and without him, it will fail. Regardless of what you think of him, he is undeniably one of the bravest and hardest-working true journalists left in the field. Project Veritas has already hemorrhaged tens of thousands of followers after their O'Keefe coup, and it serves them right. Truth dies in darkness, and Project Veritas royally messed up with this move.
But up next, from the Ukraine obsession to Trump's trip to Ohio and everywhere in between, I've got Joe Concha on deck to break it all down. That's next. Hey guys, it's Tommy, host of Tommy Laren is Fearless right here on OutKick. You know, I asked my guests the burning questions you want to know, and now you have the chance to ask me the questions. On February 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be here in studio hosting an exclusive Zoom meet and greet for OutKick VIP members only. So head to OutKick.com slash VIP now to join and reserve your spot. Space is limited. I'll see you soon. Oh, hey, thank you, sir. Thank you for your service. What's your thank message you, to Joe Biden before you leave? Get over here. Yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. While Joe Biden is tripping upstairs and all over himself in his love obsession with Zelensky, our former and greatest president, Donald J. Trump, visited the American people of East Palestine, Ohio. It was the perfect contrast between America first and America last. Joining me now with his take on the Trump trip and more is Fox News contributor Joe Concha. Joe, it's great to see you. You know, a much more casual look than I saw you on the big Saturday and Sunday show, but I love it. This was because I was told on the Saturday and Sunday show I was not allowed to wear any football jerseys on national television. But I figure for your excellent, excellent podcast that, that we could dress down a bit, so to speak. It's my yes. day off. What can I say? We get to have a little fun here. So I want to talk about someone else who's taken quite a few days off. And uh, that is, of course, <laughs> diversity pick transportation secretary Pete Buttigieg. Now, Joe, I got to get your take on this because I think it's rather miraculous that when Trump announces he's going to go to East Palestine, Ohio, you've got FEMA saying that they're going to go. Then Donald Trump mm -hmm. goes to East Palestine, Ohio yesterday. And then all of a sudden, Pete found it to be the right time to go. What do you make of that coincidence? Suddenly a sense of urgency, right? And this is the same transportation secretary, Tommy, for 10 days, he didn't even acknowledge that this derailment, toxic train derailment had happened. And then he finally went on Twitter and said, oh, I'm very concerned about the citizens of East Palestine. And now here we are three weeks later, and he finally goes because obviously Donald Trump was going. Somebody said, you got to get out there and do something. And, and what this proves, Tommy, is that Democrats are not the party of the little guy like they said they were years ago. They are the party of elites. And the number one elite in this administration is Pete Buttigieg. And he wasn't about to go there and see what needed to be done in terms of resources or just show some empathy with the people there who are still suffering from sickness and headaches and nausea because East Palestine is not the type of place that the Pete Buttigieg's of the world would ever think of setting foot in. They're a working class town. Obviously, they have hundreds of people living below the poverty line, believe it or not, and you have a median income of around $45,000 per household that's well below the national average. And these people now, they are screwed because let's say they want to leave. They're like, I don't want to live in a place uh, where my kids could be drinking uh, water that gets them sick or planting food in soil that can get people sick. They can't even sell their homes because their property values. Who's going to want to move to East Palestine now? It's like, how's the real estate market in Chernobyl these days? So that, that's where we're at at this point. But you see the juxtaposition be between Donald Trump and he's handing out supplies and he's speaking with people and he went there, even though he's not in government whatsoever, went on his own dime. And then you see Joe Biden falling up a set of stairs uh, after he went to Ukraine to continue to give them hundreds of millions of dollars for a war that is not going to end anytime soon, as in not in years anytime soon, until we get to the negotiating table. And that's something that Donald Trump has signaled he would like to do if he was president again. 
I want to get to that in a minute, but I want to go back to the whole Ohio of it all. Because as you yeah. mentioned, Donald Trump is a billionaire from New York, but Mayor Pete is the mayor of was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. So you would think that there would be something in his heart that would feel for these people because Indiana and Ohio are not that different of a place. I know that he smugly said in an interview that he was a mayor for several years and he dealt with disasters all the time, but he still didn't go. I wonder, though, and we talked about this last weekend, I wonder if this is more of a strategy for the Biden administration. Sure, to us, it just looks ridiculous. But I think that Kamala has proven that if you ignore a crisis long enough, it goes away. There's some outrage for a while, but if you just sit on it, then it'll go away. Now, he's finally there. He's having to acknowledge it. But do you really think that electorally Democrats are going to pay for this? Ohio is an important state. I wonder if people are going to remember that in 24. The head in the sand approach, right? And and a great, great question as far as what we've seen out of this administration. Kamala Harris went to the border, what, once? And it wasn't really a true hotspot, right? Like La Jolla, for example, uh, or Eagle Pass, right? She went to El Paso and they cleaned it up for her before she went, just as they did with Joe Biden. But with Pete Buttigieg, I could give you time and time and time again example of why this guy doesn't even really want this job as transportation secretary. He just has this so he could pad his resume before he's the Democratic nominee, whether that be in 2024 if Biden doesn't run, or 2028, because then he could say, all right, see, I had an important cabinet position. Because remember the, the, the whole supply chain crisis, right? That happened in the summer of 2021. And what did this guy do? He went on maternity leave, not for a week or two. He went on maternity leave for two months, and then Tommy didn't even tell anybody about it. They, they could have appointed an interim transportation secretary to deal with this problem instead it only got worse. So this is a guy, he breaks the old Woody Allen rule. And Woody Allen once famously said that 90% of success in life is just showing up. I feel that way about the gym. Once I'm there, then it's kind of easy, but getting there is the hard part, right? So supply chain crisis, we saw what happened over the Christmas holidays where airports, you had millions of people stranded, people sleeping on the floor in airports on Christmas day. And this guy did nothing in terms of getting out and trying to solve the problem, go to an airport, meet with the FAA, do something. What do we hear from Pete Buttigieg after this happened? Two weeks later, that he wrote a sternly worded letter to the head of the train company that was involved in this. Oh, yeah, that's going to work. You ever see Titanic where Jack Dawson, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's he's shivering, he's about to die. And he still finds his sense of humor where he says to Kate Winslet, says, uh, oh, I'm going to write a sternly worded letter to the White Star Line about this (laughs) after the boat goes down. So that's what we have at this point. All foam and no beer, all talk, no action, not just from Pete Buttigieg, but from Kamala and the president himself, who's adverse to working. I'm sure he's already off on a long weekend as people watch this podcast, Tommy. You know, they don't like to do much, but they do care about one little guy. And when I say little, I mean not that he's not an elitist, but that he is physically little. And that's Zelensky, because if I have to see them kiss his rear one more time, I'm going to be physically sick. Quite frankly, the fact that Joe Biden went there on President's Day, we've been talking about it all week, it annoys me to no end. We know the Biden administration is committed to Ukraine, but what really fires me up, Joe, is there are so many Republicans that are still saying that we are committed to Ukraine for as long as it takes, and for some reason, I think that the Republicans are so tone deaf, have lost so much sight of what their base is, whether it's Trump supporters or DeSantis supporters or MAGAs, whatever you want to call them, that is still the base of our party, and I don't think that the MAGA base, correct me if if I'm wrong, cares that much about funding this endless war in Ukraine. But the Republicans are still screaming that from the rooftops. Is that a bad move? It's a very bad move because I, if you're going to throw money at a problem, at least tell me there's some sort of strategy behind it. 
right? And I briefly touched on it before, but it bears repeating. With China now backing Russia and Iran giving them weapons, they can do this for as long as it takes. And Vladimir Putin, he doesn't care that he's already lost 200,000 Russian soldiers. He'll lose a million if that's what it takes. He'll keep throwing bodies at the problem. He'll keep getting weapons from those two countries. And it's a war of attrition at this point. And what we're doing is we're saying, okay, fine, we'll match also whatever you need for as long as it takes. We're going to be talking billions of dollars spent for a war that isn't going anywhere, right? It's a complete stalemate. Russia thought they could walk in and take Kiev in a week, and they haven't even gotten close to the city. Most of the fighting's happening on the eastern front, where you hear that Ukraine took this city back, and then, okay, Russia made an advance, and we're going to hear about this. It'll be 2028, and I could be on your podcast, and we'll be talking about how the war in Ukraine is still going on. We need a solution. And oh, by the way, I, I agree with Governor Ron DeSantis when he said, look, it's not like Eastern Europe is really under any sort of threat from Russia. And the reason why I agree with him, Tommy, is because we saw that the Russian military is basically like the Vermont National Guard, right? <laughs> their tanks break down, their troops aren't trained well. If they could barely make an incursion into Ukraine, what makes anybody think that they're gonna now suddenly expand their fronts where they're already low on troops, right? Or at least they're bringing in people that aren't even trained and they're gonna walk into Poland and suddenly take that and take back the whole Eastern Bloc? I don't buy it. I think they're stuck there. And I think that the sooner that we stop giving Zelensky money, the faster he will say, you know what, we have to negotiate something and figure out a way out of this because I can't keep losing people like this. And Russia may feel the same way, hopefully. And that's what we need at this point, what Trump said. Get everybody in a room and find a solution or else you have another Vietnam on your hands, except in Vietnam, the U.S. could actually have public dissent, which forced our government to pull our troops out. In Russia, dissent is squashed. You go to jail if you speak out against this war. Well, I would also like an audit on this money that we're sending over because I don't trust Zelensky for one second. So I want to know where the money that we are sending over, I want to know where it's going. And I have another controversial take that I don't think is actually that controversial. I don't think Zelensky wants to see an end to this, quite frankly. I think he would love mm -hmm. it if Ukraine was victorious. We know that that's probably not going to happen without a lot of help. But I think he wants it to continue on because he loves the spotlight. He loves being there at the Golden Globes and the Oscars. He loves speaking in front of Congress in his ugly tracksuit. I think he loves loves the attention. And if they were to come to the table and have a realistic solution, that attention, that spotlight, no one would care about Zelensky anymore. So I think that it is really a motivation for him to stay in the spotlight. But the next thing I want to move to is you mentioned DeSantis sure. and we've been talking about Donald Trump. I've been seeing you tweeting about it. I've been seeing it as well. We know that Donald Trump has been taking a lot of swipes at Ron DeSantis, who has not entered the race yet, by the way. So if you want to mm -hmm. take a swipe at somebody, at least wait until their actual competitor. But to do it <laughs> right. right now, I saw you tweeting, it's not landing well. And then when you're saying, you know, Florida would be great without Ron DeSantis, when people in Florida love Ron DeSantis and the Republican Party loves Ron DeSantis, it seems like a big misstep. Do you think Trump's going to pay for that? I think he is already, to be quite honest with you, because then I, I look at the reactions to some of the tweets that I send out, and almost everybody is in agreement. This is not a good look for the former president to be attacking a guy who just won by 20 points in Florida using the same policies that Trump absolutely supports. And, and, and Mark Penn was on Fox one or two days earlier this week, I should say. And he talked about how there's a silent primary going on between Trump and DeSantis. And then the media tries to play it up. The war between Trump and DeSantis is really escalating. No, it's only escalating on one side. 
because DeSantis has been smart here. He hasn't responded in any way, shape, or form. And the one time that he was asked about this and he gave a response, he says, look, I'm in the business of working for the people of Florida. I'm not in the business of smearing other Republicans. In other words, the old Ronald Reagan rule, thou shall not speak ill of another Republican. So the more Trump attacks and the more DeSantis ignores him, it only becomes more unhinged. And I don't mind if Donald Trump wants to go after DeSantis on policy, right? That's what primaries are for. It's a debate. But when you tell me, or when the, when Donald Trump says that Florida was closed for far too long, no, it wasn't. In fact, when Georgia opened up in April, late April of 2020, Trump actually criticized Governor Kemp for doing it too soon. So to this rewriting of history that somehow Ron DeSantis morphed into Gavin Newsom and kept Florida closed for far too long, I don't get it. I don't like it when he implies that he's a pedophile, which Trump did in one other tweet. And then to praise Charlie Crist as a good governor of Florida and trying to diminish DeSantis. That's why I don't think they're landing, because I hate to say this for anybody who supports the president, but they're not based in any sort of reality. So I, I think in the end, it's going to be Trump versus DeSantis for this nomination. But the thing is, will too many other Republicans, Tommy, stay in too long? Or will they do what the Democrats did so politely for Joe Biden once they realize they can't win? Clear a lane for him, make it a choice between him and Bernie Sanders, and Biden got the nomination. If it's, if it's a choice between Trump and DeSantis, right now DeSantis has the momentum. I'm not so sure Trump does. And there may be some fatigue around the former president. Let me be very clear, by the way. I agree with almost everything Donald Trump did as president from a policy perspective. There was no one more effective than him than we could remember probably since Ronald Reagan. But the, the problem was, unfortunately, that you had a media that constantly would not give him any credit for anything. They harped on Russia for three years, and that really hamstrung his presidency. And then finally, when the Mueller report came out and exonerated him, along comes COVID. So I'd love to see Donald Trump get another chance. I just don't think this is the way it's going to get him to the nomination by attacking DeSantis in the, in the dishonest way that he has. You know, that's the sentiment of a lot of conservatives, myself included. I love Donald Trump. I wish Donald Trump was currently our president. I voted for him. I would vote for him again. But here is the deal. We need somebody that can win. And I'm not sure at this point if Donald Trump could win. I do think Ron DeSantis could win. However, if we did not have Ron DeSantis waiting in the wings, I would be Trump 100%. I would, you would never hear me advocating for Nikki Haley or Vivek or anybody else that's jumping into the race. Everybody else is a non-starter for me. I would go full bore Donald Trump and I would fight with everything I have. But we've got such a great candidate in a Ron DeSantis that I would have to go that way because not only do I like him, not only do I agree with him, think he's an excellent leader, but I think that he can actually win and not by a slim margin. I think that he could win by a lot. So a lot of Trump yeah. supporters are walking that walk right now, but it doesn't make it easy when the president puts out NFTs of himself in a Superman outfit or when he attacks Ron DeSantis. It just doesn't put us in a good spot. And I don't want to see that for our party. But Joe- Hey, Tommy, I can I ask you a question? Go for it. All right, great. Uh, just when you speak the way you just spoke and when I speak the way I just spoke, which is, I think, a very reality-based, fair assessment of what's going on between Trump and DeSantis, are you accused of being a robot being told what to say <laughs> and and basically that you were a never-Trumper all along? I, I just find it interesting that if you if you praise DeSantis in any way, shape, or form on social media, suddenly uh, you're a guy or a gal who's being programmed by by some you know overlord somewhere and secretly you're always against <laughs> Trump. I just find it amazing the, the kind of vitriol that, that you get when you simply say, I think Ron DeSantis is doing an excellent job and he has a better chance of winning. Yeah, no, I mean, it is certainly there are a lot of diehard Trump supporters that believe we should have loyalty to Donald Trump to the end. And I don't like that because I don't like idol worship. 
So I love what Donald yep. Trump did for our country. I love his policies. I love Donald Trump. I really do. But I'm not beholden to Donald Trump if I think that there's somebody that can win and I think that somebody that can lead the country well and follow in his footsteps, quite frankly. But you're right. I do get the attacks as well that I'm not loyal to Trump and how dare I sell out Donald Trump. Hey, listen, you know, it's unfair. It's unfortunate. But that is the battle that we are all going to face as this thing heats up. And once Ron DeSantis yep. actually announces if he does... It's going to get a lot worse. So we're going to be called a lot of names, Joe, but luckily we are so used to it. <laughs> that's true. We got thick skin, and that, 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 that's a beautiful thing. What do you want to talk about next? Well, Joe, I want to also, I know that you are going to be off air for a while because I saw your tweet this morning. So I'm not going to oh, be yeah. seeing you on Fox and Friends first on Tuesday morning. You're going to be able to sleep in. So I want to wish <laughs> you good luck on your surgery, and I hope to see you back in New York, and let's do some more Big Saturday and Sunday show because we had a whole lot of fun. Absolutely. Let, let me be clear about something. It's this brown dot right here. I don't know if you could tell. It's a it's a lesion, basically. And it could become cancerous at some point. So I've actually already had this treated. They they, they do something called syrotherapy, a, a gun that freezes it. Okay. So right now, currently, this thing will slowly be fading. And by Tuesday, they say I could be back, but I can't put makeup on it is the problem. I have to put a bandage on it in about an hour uh, from now. But it's still kind of healing itself. Uh, so that that's, that's the deal. I don't want anybody to think that I'm dying or anything like that. It's just a precaution. And that's my message as to end this, Tommy. Go to your dermatologist. It's a quick 10-minute appointment. They can check for any sort of imperfections, and they can tell you, hey, but you better take care of this because one day it could be melanoma. So that, 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 that's our message for today on a happy note, Tommy. On a happy note, happy. I'm glad that you clarify that because people are going to be really sad, but it's just he can't put any makeup on his skin for a while. I think there are so many women who have been in that position, so I'm glad that you feel the struggle that we feel, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, I don't know if Don Lemon would still think that you are in your prime with or without makeup, mm. but I I still think you are, Joe, and I want to have you back really soon because you and I both talk fast and it's a good compliment to one another. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man's man. I'm not going on without my makeup, damn it. So, oh boy. I played football at one point. Do I get credit for that? Trust me, guys. You do, I'm, and I'm we a man's can see man. it too by the sports paraphernalia that you're wearing, so I won't hold your makeup against you. Joe, uh, good, Thanks, luck on, good luck on your freezing lesion, and I will see you really soon. Always a pleasure, Tommy. See you soon. <laughs> All right, still ahead, it's the new Get Skinny Quick Fix, non-diabetics using diabetes meds to suppress appetite and drop weight. What are the long-term dangers, though? Dr. Jeanette is here with what you need to know and will not learn on TikTok. That's next. So this craze of injecting diabetes drugs, such as Ozempic and similar meds for weight loss, has been popular on what else? Communist TikTok. And now there is a worldwide shortage of the treatment and actual diabetics are pissed as they should be. But what are the short and long-term side effects of shooting up diabetes drugs when you don't have diabetes? Joining me now is family and emergency medical professional and Fox News contributor, Dr. Jeanette, who I am so glad to see. Always great to see you. And I have been wanting to ask you about this for some time now because I have no fewer than three, four friends mm -hmm. who are not incredibly overweight, maybe have five to 10 pounds they want to lose for aesthetic purposes only, and they are using diabetes drugs or peptides, they, they say peptides because it makes them yeah. feel better, to, to lose weight, and it's been working. So I'm wondering though, because I need to tell them what's up here, yeah. what are the side effects short and long term of non-diabetics using diabetes medication? Right, So, and, and you're exactly right, Tommy. I want to point out Ozempic, also known as semi-glutide, this is a drug to treat a disease, and that disease is diabetes, which over 100 million Americans suffer from, and it's one of the main reasons why we see so many people with heart disease. But um, the, the, acutely, if you take it, you can have nausea, 
vomiting, stomach pain, dizziness. It's meant to treat diabetics. So what does that do? It lowers your blood sugar. So you can be faint, you can be dizzy. You don't want to drop your blood sugar if you're not a diabetic. You can end up on the ground with a skull laster, you know, a fracture and a laceration on your face. And I've seen that happen. And then long-term, you know, you can develop thyroid cancer. You can injure your kidneys. It, it's not without side effects. You can develop visual problems. So I would say if you're only five or 10 pounds overweight, the best thing to do for your body is the natural solution, which is making sure you're getting good nutrition, making sure you're getting enough green vegetables, enough hydration, enough sleep, and activity, you know, exercise, you know, 150 minutes every week is what the American Heart Association recommends. Because you may be giving yourself this short-term term solution of losing that five or 10 pounds that you wanna lose to, to look good, but you know what? Studies show two-thirds of people a year from now will gain that right back. So you want to well, do it naturally. That's what I want to ask you. First of all, naturally, you know, if everybody was dedicated to doing it naturally, people wouldn't be trying yeah. to find quick fixes. As we know, it's much easier to inject yourself with something than to actually have to live right. a healthy lifestyle. And it's really attractive to a lot of people, but that's what I wonder. For those people that they do want to lose 5 to 10 pounds, not because they are necessarily even overweight by medical standards, mm -hmm. but just because aesthetically they'd like to lose 5 to 10 pounds. But is this something that you have to be on for the rest of your life to keep that weight off? That's what I tell my friends. Like, listen, you can be addicted to this drug forever because the second you go off, you gain it right yeah, back? that's a very good point because what this drug does is it signals to your brain you're full, so you stop eating. When you remove that medicine, then you no longer get those signals to your brain. You're going to start eating more. So if you're not, um, you know, really being cognizant of what you're eating, what you're ingesting, and watching your intake, then yeah, you're going to gain that weight back. So potentially you would have to be on it long term to keep that weight off unless you have very you know good strong discipline now if you're a diabetic yeah you may need to be on it you know lifelong just to help protect your body from you know right you know uh, from actual from diabetes, diabetes not right. just i want to look good for the summer right, right. which is a big difference but i, I want to talk about that too because i am wondering how these people are getting their hands on this medication what doctors are seeing somebody that's maybe five pounds that they want to lose and saying, I'm going to give you this diabetes medication. Yeah. How are doctors, physicians, medical experts, how are they able to prescribe this to somebody who doesn't have a medical need for it? Yeah, it's inappropriate. And um, hopefully you have a, a good doctor that will do what's in your best interest. Technically, you're supposed to have a BMI of at least 27 and have one medical issue like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, that, that's, that sort of thing, maybe some heart disease. Uh, so you, that's what it's indicated for. There's two types of these medicines, the Ozempic and Wagovi. Now, Ozempic was made for diabetes but is being used off-label for weight loss. So the company that made Ozempic made Wagovi, which has been FDA-approved for weight loss, but for those with very high BMI that are, you know, obese. Um, but, you know, it's not good medicine, it's not good practice to prescribe it to someone that may have side effects from it. I mean, one of the side of potential side effects, thyroid cancer, changes in your vision, not to mention, again, one of the big issues, it can drop your, uh, your blood sugar and result in, so say you give yourself a shot and you go out and drive on, on, the, on the highway and then you become dizzy and faint. You might put yourself in danger, you may put other people in danger. So um, you really have to have the conversation and educate your patients what is the best plan if you wanna lose that five, 10 pounds, what will work long-term, that these short-term solutions 
generally are not uh, effective. But I think it all starts with educating and letting your patient know that you, this is what I think is best for you. And I understand it's hard to fight those cravings, but in the long run, you know, eating more fruits and vegetables, getting more fiber, being more active is, is better for you. So this has obviously become very popular because yeah. celebrities have used it. Elon Musk, yeah. the Kardashians have used it, whether they're very forthright about it or not, you know, maybe not. Yeah, to squeeze into that Marilyn yeah. Monroe dress. They're not very transparent about yeah. the things that they use. And obviously they got probably access to the best medical care in the world. But it's hard for young people who look at the Kardashians and say, they look healthy. Yeah, they lost a lot of weight. They look fantastic, but they look healthy. So I'm just going to do this for a while because I want to look like a Kardashian and then I'll stop using it. But what do you tell those people that say, hey, listen, I'm looking at all these celebrities and they're still walking. They're still fine. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, out of pocket, it's expensive. It's like $1,500 a month. And again, um, if you have a good doctor that truly cares about you and educates you and tells you long, you know, don't don't compare yourself to others. Number one, number two, there, you know, these celebrities they have the the nutritionists and the chefs and the trainers and the plastic surgery. So, you know, you shouldn't be comparing yourself to others. Think about your own health, your own risks, and understand what the the outcome could be. It's a challenge. You have to have that conversation. And there are going to be some doctors that just say, "Okay, you can try it," or or some doctors that are hard no. For me, unless my patient was morbidly obese with uh, you know multiple medical conditions, I would you know if you're just five ten pounds overweight, I I would really I would not uh, prescribe it to you. But someone else, um, you know, for example, I just had a patient not too long ago who was looking to have gastric surgery. I asked her, have you done the exercising regimen? What are you eating? Have you tried the injections? Do that first before you jump to surgery. You want to keep the, you know, the, the right. most conservative measures first. I think that's the best, the best approach. So in that vein, people yeah. really care about their appearance. So you try to tell a young person that wants to be skinny, hey, your long-term side effects are going to be this, you could develop this, and it goes in one ear and out the other, yeah. quite frankly. They're like, I want to look good and I really could care less. Um, I think we've all been there where it's like, hey, listen, I tanning. Oh, I know tanning's horrible yeah. for me. Will I still do it? Yeah, sure, I probably will. So it's, it's hard to have that conversation. As much as we all know how bad it is, it's yeah. like, give me one, my one vice. I know drinking is yeah. bad, but I drink once yeah. a week. You know, everything is hard to convince people of. But there's one thing aesthetically that I have noticed and I have seen with this Ozempic is what they call Ozempic face. Yeah. So I don't know if that's because of the dramatic weight loss that makes you sunken in, but makes people look just like they're aging. Yes, they've, they've gotten skinny, but it's not necessarily like if you diet and exercise and you just get skinnier. It's a certain look that people are getting and they're losing a lot of the the yeah, plumpness yeah, in their face. Right. So what is that? So that's because when you lose weight, you lose the fat, but the skin still stays there. So you're losing the fat. You you have a loss of collagen as well. So that's why you see this hanging skin. And yeah, it's not no surprise at all. And some people they they think, oh well, I'll just go fix that with fillers. But you're messing with your face. You're messing and interfering with Mother Nature. And you're just not going to be yourself. You're not going to look yourself. But that is a potentially irreversible um, side effect of using Ozempic because you're losing weight so quickly instead of slowly and naturally. So, so your skin can accommodate exactly, that weight loss. Exactly, because your skin is stretched out and it's filled with you know, collagen, adipose. But then it quickly, that, that amount of fat diminishes, and but the skin is still there and it's just hanging loose. So you, that's one thing to, to consider. Kind of sort of like what you see in smokers. They have this premature aging and right. wrinkles and hanging skin because they erode the natural you know, amino acids in their skin.
Last thing I, I want to ask you, because I know that there are a lot of young people that look at celebrities, and they look yeah. at another type of injection. You brought it up already, fillers. So fillers, there's a yeah. filler craze in, in Hollywood. There are people that, like Madonna, who don't even look, not even no. not like themselves. They don't look like a human being. I'm a big fan of the housewives. Yeah. I see some of these housewives, yeah. and I've, I've watched them over the years. I've watched them progressively get more fillers yeah. and more Botox and then more fillers. Is there, besides just looking like an unhuman alien, it, are there side effects to fillers and especially fillers over a long period of time, like re-injecting, re-injecting? It, it depends on what you're using. You know, I think it's okay if you want to do something a little bit here and there just to kind of boost your confidence. But I worry about people, young people with mental, you know, illness that might have body dysmorphic, uh, you know, disease, for example. And you can have an allergic reaction if you put too much filler, for example, in your lips. You can have circulation issues. You can hit a blood vessel. You know, people put it around their face, their eyes, their nose. You can go blind. So it's not without oh. risk. Um, and if you are going to do it, you need to make sure you're doing it by someone who is bored certified and understands the anatomy of the face um, and it's sad because we see because of social media and Instagram and TikTok everyone trying to strive to be something that's not realistic um, and instead of just being happy with the way God made them and it's okay if you want to do a little bit of improvement in your appearance but be realistic and make sure you're you're, you're talking and, and working with a, a good well-trained board certified whether it's a nurse practitioner or a, a physician or a plastic surgeon that's taking care of you and addressing your needs and your concerns. I think that's a great message because, listen, I'm not somebody who's going to shame people who want right. to do things aesthetically. I get Botox. I have a giant forehead. Do I want to have 12 lines <laughs> on my beautiful. forehead? No, I do not. So I get Botox on my forehead? Yeah. Absolutely I do, and I will until the day that I die. It's one of those things that I will cling on to. But there's a, a place where you can go overboard and you can do a little too much. And I think the fillers have gotten out of control. Botox kind of just freezes your face. You can overdo it. But the fillers, that and, seems like another level. And it's so expensive. How are these young kids affording all of this? You know, I just feel like they need to be focused on life and not looks as much, you know, in this day and well, age. But when the, the number one career aspiration for a lot of young people is to be an influencer. So unfortunately, yeah. they kind of go hand in hand. But yeah, you're, you're right. exactly right. Dr. Janet, on everything, and I hope that people are listening. There are other ways to lose weight. Diet and exercise, obviously, is not a quick fix, but it's a fix that's not going to give you a Ozempic face. And if all you that's care right. about is looks, you don't want to look old in the face because then you got to do a lot and more. And plus, you'll feel better if you go out there and exercise. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so Happy much homes. for being here. Thank it's always so nice me. to have you in Nashville, and I love when I get to work with you oh, in New York as well. Thank you, Tom. And we hope that maybe someday you'll move to Nashville full yes. time. Because <laughs> Tennessee is a great state, and it we'd is. love to have I you love, here. I love being here. Thank you. And we hope you have fun, and you brought some warm weather here, so we're yes. happy for it. <laughs> All right, up next, switching gears majorly, the Fulton County Grand Jury Foreman Woman Child is the DA's, in the DA's probe against Trump opened her mouth, and it's oh so telling. My final thoughts are next. Hey guys, it's Tommy, host of Tommy Laren is Fearless, right here on OutKick. You know, I asked my guests the burning questions you want to know, and now you have the chance to ask me the questions. On February 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be here in studio hosting an exclusive Zoom meet and greet for OutKick VIP members only. So head to OutKick.com slash VIP now to join and reserve your spot. Space is limited. I'll see you soon. One of the random jury members selected to help Georgia prosecutors investigate Trump has gone public and it's as cringeworthy as it freaking sounds. It's time for final thoughts.
The Fulton County District Attorney has been working to find something, anything to use to indict and prosecute our former president for trying to overturn the 2020 election. And she's had the help of this little nincompoop grand jury foreman, Emily Coors. Now, in this rare and completely inappropriate PR press tour, she can be seen and heard salivating over the possibility of ruining Donald Trump. Thus far, this little turd has done interviews with the New York Times, NBC News, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and CNN. Take a listen and try not to gag. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just... I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. It's not a short list. I mean, we saw 75 people, and there are six pages of the report cut out. So we're talking about more than a dozen people? I would say that, yes. Are these recognizable names, names that people would know? There are certainly names that you would recognize, yes. There definitely are some names that you expect. I'm not going to speak on exact indictments. I don't, think, I don't think that there are any giant plot twists coming. I don't think that there are any, like, giant... That's not the way I expected this to go at all. Mm. I, I don't think that's in store for anyone. Uh, probably not. Um, I wouldn't want to characterize anyone else's reaction, of course. But, so that was one we heard a lot in testimony. Um, but... Probably not. It probably wouldn't shock you. I would not expect you to be too shocked, no. And that includes of the former president, potentially? Potentially. It might. There's cringeworthy and then there's gagworthy in that. That was gagworthy. First of all, I gotta know, why do all liberals look basically the same? It's really quite something. Trump derangement syndrome is an unforgiving physical disease. And that Emily Coors, well, she is a 30-year-old woman child who describes herself as between customer service jobs. She didn't vote in the 2020 presidential election. She's about as savvy as a fence post, and she is going to be part of recommending whether prosecutors should indict Trump and put him on trial. Now, while there are few intellectual qualifications to serve on a grand jury, you don't necessarily have to be a benefit to society. That is true. But really damn sure you have to be impartial and not a deranged whack job looking to fulfill a vendetta against the subject of the freaking investigation. Now, while legal experts agree her little press tour isn't illegal, it could ultimately poke a giant hole in this already BS investigation against Trump. These public remarks could be cited in future litigation, possibly as evidence of bias in a motion to dismiss a case or a motion to change venues. And I hope it is because it's really some crap. And legal minds and mainstream media hacks wonder why conservatives feel there is a two-tier justice system rigged and stacked against us? Well, crap like this doesn't convince us otherwise, I'll tell you that. You know, it's quite obvious this girl wants to be famous, but rather than sell out the rest of the grand jury and making mockery of the justice system for attention, couldn't she just make a NyQuil chicken TikTok cooking video like the rest of the millennial Gen Z brats do to get noticed? You know, this whole Fulton County probe is a waste and a joke to begin with. Of all the lawlessness and thuggery that goes down in that county, the DA chooses to go after Trump over an election that was over two years ago? Unbelievable, but actually not. More like infuriating, but par for the course. 
Those are my final thoughts. Be sure to catch the entire show as well as exclusive content on Outkick.com. From Nashville, God bless and take care.